This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Rum, do you hear something? Yeah, what is that? It's a bird. No, it's a plane. No, it's not that. It's the best of the buzz with Bill. Is that right, eh? It's a good sign of things to come. Commentary on trending headlines with veteran AMI producer Bill Shackleton. Well, now. Billy! I say Shack! Yep, I'm back. Endurance Explorer Shackleton's ship. Found <laughs> Which is great. We were having a discussion yeah. with Greg David yesterday about Ernest Shackleton. You know, your relative and all the yeah, ships my, full of my beer. Yeah, my uncle. My my grandfather or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and how you would have wanted to sail with those ships full of beer and salt pork. Well, I thought, yeah, and I thought it was scotch, but yeah, it would have worked just the same. <laughs> Either way, right? Wow. Um, well, when we last did this ar- an article, um, because this is an update, they were looking for the ship. Well, actually, they found it on Wednesday. Now, again, I would have done it last week, but we weren't here. Right. So apparently they did use... Um, it, well, it's touted as being and will be if it isn't already one of the most heroic, heroic and difficult um, expeditions ever done. And because of the fact that the water's so deep, and the only way they could actually get at that ship is using underwater drones. There's no other way they could have done it. Right. So basically, they did find the ship. Um, apparently, it is. Standing up, which is which is it's an apparently incredible in incredible condition. And if you look at the ship, the images that that they brought up, it's like the ship would have been sailing. If it were if it weren't on the bottom, it would actually be moving. Wow, wow that's, that's unbelievable. How, it, how preserved? It really, yeah, preserved. Um. So what they're going to do, and this is a little disappointing for me. Is they're going? They're not going to actually um, bring the ship up. What they're going to be doing is they're going to create a uh, 3D image, and they're mm. going to use that. Yeah, they're going to use that as a as a to, to tour to to so that exhibitions can have a copy of it. Wow. I was hoping they'd bring. I was hoping they'd bring the ship up. But and if they do to, the 3D image, they yeah. literally could really make quite. Uh, like wonderful replicas, life-size replicas, if they wanted to, because we have to remember too that those ships are only so big. You know, they're they're big, but they're they're not like what we probably depict as a ship that would be what we'd even want to remotely go wandering around the Arctic in, um, because it's it, you know of the time. But I think if they do that, Billy, it's not too long before they're able to make those replicas out of a material that supports us going in and really feeling. Like we're seeing that ship and and someone like yourself being able to go on and touch around and so on. Yeah, maybe what the, that's, you know, maybe they will be able to do that, make an exact replica and we can go in. A lot um, cheaper than a raising and, you know, because which they couldn't do because uh, once yeah. you get it high enough, the water change, the air, it would just crumble away probably. Pro- probably. Um, I still wonder what's on it. I mean, that would to me would be. The, the 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 highlight of this whole thing is what kind mm-hmm. what what is on there diving on it rummy would be amazing yeah yeah that's right <laughs> yeah we make this a whole adventurous thing but yeah no seriously though because the the preservation or just the idea of it, it's kind of the same reason why 
Greg yesterday was talking about what it, how exciting it is to read about it, right? To read about the adventures, the explorations, and um, just the significance of what this was like years and years ago. And and now we take a lot of this stuff for granted. And and back then, you you had to survive it. Yeah, really. Outside of the namesake, uh-huh. um, what has always been your interest in in Shackleton's journey? I'll tell you a little story. I'll tell you a little story. I was watching A&E many years ago, and I had taken some cough medicine with codeine, and all of a sudden, (laughs) out of the blue, a voice from my TV said, Shackleton, and I thought, is is my TV tracking me? (laughs) (laughs) Remember what Margaret said about taking medications and fires? Uh, Rum, I think this is kind of another thing. Beware of TVs. Mm-hmm. And like it came out, like it just that one word, Shackleton, and I thought, oh, I know, I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you then proceed to who is this? What is this? And listen, yeah, and that yeah. got you enthralled. Mm-hmm. Well, it, 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 and you know, I, I sort of woke up from my doze and I listened to it and I caught on to it. But my God, what is my TV doing? <laughs> right. And it was a set ever since. Yeah, well, yeah. I was letting him know, if you're sleeping, could you mind turning me off so I can sleep? That's right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, Bill, when we knew that you were doing this item, and it was funny because, as we said, on Voices yesterday, we got into a lengthy conversation with, with Greg David about it as well. Uh, and so ironic that you brought this to the table today. Um, you know, I know it's an older piece uh, from from week ago, but... It's still just so amazing and the history and I'd heard about the drones going down there and uh, just the technology and what we're able to see now because for so long this was this lost exposition. Expedition. Yeah. yeah. And they couldn't do anything. No. They couldn't get it up. So, yeah, yeah. Couldn't even find think, them, the, you know, the Arebus yeah, and the Terror, ter- ter- you know, for the right. longest. Yeah. across my actually in my inbox it's city of toronto um archive to open the ttc's 100 years of movement exhibit now this is i know it's a toronto centric article but i think um it's it's worth talking about because the ttc is the biggest transportation systems in north america so i i i, I do think it's it's quite an interesting exhibit that they've um, that they've opened at 225 Spadina Road. Um, it's the Toronto Archive Building, and in that you can go. Of course, you can visit, and you can see 100 years of of the TTC. Basically, everything they've done from diversity to um, you know their expansion, some of the older buses and streetcars that were that were, that are going to be on display. A couple of interesting things, though, is that the um, the first um, woman of color who drove a streetcar that the, the, her photograph is going to be on display, and the mm-hmm. first lead hand um, of color um, is going to be on display. It's interesting how they have developed um, the diversification that they've they've undergone. I mean, 
basically they've had to. But well, you know, had to, and also yeah. not just because of of outcry out there. Okay, like yeah. like Toronto is such a diverse city. I I truly would love to believe not only oh it's the right thing to do, you know, like we're selling oatmeal or something. The, the, it's the whole business of. How could you not? These reflections of, of characters, these people, leading citizens yep. at the time were people of color. There, there's no way you could, with a city as diverse culturally as Toronto, avoid that, Rum. Yeah, it's so interesting because when, when this first came up, I was like, oh, it's going to be so nostalgic. That's really nice. Uh, but now really the depth of having something like this and being able to recognize, um, as you're saying, the individuals who took part in this gigantic movement for for what it is and has been for the last century. And then uh, kind of just being able to look back and say, this is what it used to be and this is what it is now. Right. Because it's so easy when you're a public transit user to just get really caught up in what it is now and the aches and pains of taking public transit. But imagine 100 years ago uh, around the inception of TTC, what it was like compared to what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And, even and from again, an accessibility point of view. Oh, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And, and thinking yeah. about it and especially even Billy after the, the war blinded, there were so many. The exceptions yes. that were made. Buses, there wasn't those changes. Accessibility. For transit, you know, well, accessibility is if you can get on it, good, you ride. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Now there's like, you can bring a support person with you. There's ramps. There's actually chairs that move up. And even, you know, if we're we're talking about like the details of line one trains and how new they are, like that's just the last couple of years that we have new trains on line one where you could, you know, anywhere on the train, not just in a designated area, um, understand that these are seats for people with disabilities or people who who need the extra assistance and you could push up the, the seats yourself. Like even on buses, that's not the case, right? Well, I would argue... And, and maybe I'm, I'm way wrong, obviously not being there back in the era, that if you really want to look at what kind of accessibility, if you were to call it that in the uh, late 1800s into the 19 up to post-World War II, the blind probably received the first real accessibility in the way of support, yeah. um, in, in the way of courtesies for, for riding the bus. And again, a lot of that extended to the war blinded. But wait, but I wonder if the disability at the time was recognized and seen more than considering others. When you look fast forward through time, the low low floor buses accessibility mm-hmm. that way uh, was a long time, long time after. So I, I think there, is, yeah. there's Even that now, argument. There's still a lot of yeah. challenges for people yeah. who use wheelchairs, and yep. And people mm-hmm. could use that argument that, well, blind people have been getting some courtesies from transit for for years. And true, again, the problem is. It, it went at a standstill, <laughs> you know, so there was so much that could be done and then, okay, we've done enough. And then that became the, the model for transit uh, of a lot of accessibility. Were there still things that kind of, whoa, you're getting off a streetcar in the middle of the street. That's not so accessible, but that's what it was and, and, and the way it worked out, Bill. Well, and I do think that, um, you know, when you look at the overall picture, it really has gotten better. Sure, there's work to do, but I mean... This is actually, if you if you are if if you like buses and you it's it's a trip down memory lane that might be worth a a, a visit if you sure. are maybe in the area or you know or yeah sure give it a shot yeah I love all that stuff like it's yeah. hard to conceive streetcars hard to conceive places that had subway systems um you know in the late eighteen hundreds like when you think of London England like I to me it's almost impossible for my mind to get around that. 
my next one is kind of is well i'll let you be the judge actually mother says son was sold by students in a mock slave auction this is absolutely crazy coming to us from cnn so we did these mock things at school and you know we did mock parliaments where mm-hmm. the the idea was to teach students me and and whoever how the political system worked in this country so we had all three parties students made up all the three parties and we had to make speeches and we you know we we uh worked out our own platforms and so on um but there is a school in North Carolina that has taken this one step further apparently what happened was they some students did a mock slave auction and believe me it's no game um what basically happened was um there was a black student that was sold to a slave master which was another i presume another student in the school for $300 and that student that was sold was bullied by the slave master and eventually he reported it and he was then reported Bullied us outside yeah, this mock that's thing. right okay that's right so what they did was they took this as a game but they took it they they made it real like the way it might have been back in the day i don't know how much the bullying went on but you can imagine what might have well enough that 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 this boy well yeah. it, it pushed him to a point but it became not worth mentioning because it was so commonplace the yeah, item said that right. you know these these this was going on it's like they were and, living and, the reality of it well wow. and and it's so hard to believe because it's hard to believe in this time of, oh, yeah. well, we know this is wrong. Yeah. I don't care if um, you're, these are what, grade, what is it here, one to eight? One to eight, one to eight. But we, we know it's wrong. It's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah, and, and, you know, you wonder, and he was bullied after he reported it. Um, his mother asked him why he didn't report it sooner. It was supposed, He said, well, it was just a game, but how could you possibly think it was a why would you I mean you were bullied and you still think it's a game? I well, mean, I don't know. And I it had it. participation for many of the yeah. black students. And it's hard because we sit here and say you should know better. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what level of, oh, let's let's play this game. All students, white and black or whatever, um, whomever uh, had in this. And what level of, yeah, we're just kicking around something silly. It's a game we're yeah. playing. Like, you know, That's right. Like playing police and firemen or, or whatever as far but as they're but, concerned. But, uh, See, and that to me is like a red flag in and of itself, right? It's a right? scary you know, red flag. It's so, like, what are you doing trying to encourage this, you know, whoever was the authority behind this, um, encourage that, you know, let's let's make this real. Let's let's not do that, guys. Let's not do that. Don't wow. make this real. Don't make this a playground situation. This is not, you know, it's hard enough to read about these things for community members uh, in history books or, you know, feel like their, their experiences are not being validated. And now you're going to say, Oh, you know, we're going to make it so, we're not going to draw the line so hard. So you're going to go end up in a playground in at such a vulnerable age group, by the way, like, geez, yeah. grade one to yeah. eight. Yeah. And then think, uh, yeah, I'm going to be bullied because I am playing the slave in this game. I'm so confused. Like this isn't even uh, good cop, bad. It isn't even criminal and policemen. No. Uh, and there's money. Like, this is like there's a level of we research this. We we know this is. A, I I don't even I don't even know. And you need more background to to figure yeah. out 
but at the end of the day, they know we're not doing this in school. Somebody okayed this, and it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? And you know, and I wonder who did okay it. I mean, did was this done by a staff member who did it like for real. a lark? Yeah. And I don't think for- so. I think it's kids peer pressure, just yeah. trying to get along with each other. And playing something silly and where they might be the first to say to us, well, it's a part of history. That's all we're acting out. Death is no laughing matter, but on Death Talk, it is. Hmm. A story from the Atlantic. I've never used this source before, but what is happening is um, palliative care workers and some nurses are have created a platform or a place on TikTok where they are basically they're teaching people about how to deal with death in a humorous way. So according to the article, um, at least people in the U.S. have a problem talking with bereavement and funeral arrangements and, and, you know, whatever else goes with it, Um, unlike me, where I just flicked the switch. Mm -hmm. Um, But these videos are made to be funny. They're made to teach people how to or at least how to deal with it. So I'm going to describe a couple of these videos the one video is um, of um, a palliative care patient um, basically not getting any water. And the palliative care worker, or the nurse, says, well, your body's just shutting down anyway. Um, I don't find these very funny, um, but I, th- I think the main thing here to realize is that they're teaching and, and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're teaching people how to deal with, with, with this. Um, the other video, which I find a a little more interesting is you see a, uh, a a palliative care patient and his, the parents or the loved ones are concerned that he or she isn't getting any morphine. And the, the nurse says, um, you're not going to be around long enough to worry and you're not going to get addicted because, you know, so it's supposed to be humorous. Right. I don't find them that humorous. And maybe do, so, do they offend you, Bill? No, they don't at all. Oh, okay. I didn't think so. Rum? I mean, I'm not offended either, but I will mention my brother here who's mm-hmm. just turned 20. And there are times where he's making jokes and I'm like, I'm actually cringing, right? I'm like, this is um, But he's saying the way that him and his friends and potentially a, a whole bunch of people who, you know, is attracting like TikTok is attracting this this younger generation, right? Gen Z, um, of people where it's it's kind of like it's not funny, but it's the way that they talk about serious stuff. And this is anything from mental health to you know death and mortality, like like Billy mm-hmm. saying in this article, to right. anything else, anything. And I'm talking just like the more the most morbid of subjects the way that my brother will make a joke about it i'm like is this is this satire like i i don't find this funny but it's it is because yeah but they are engaging in the conversations but doing it in ways that you know some of us may be very very uncomfortable with it's the same thing like stand up 
Well, I'm saying to you, that's it's not new. Okay, mm-hmm. um, dark mm-hmm. humor. We've had dark humor. We have those old films that they they would say old film noir. So they had the 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 the, the very dark humor in them. Um, we've often talked about police officers joking around, talking about stuff around a crime scene where someone, you know, where it's, where it's fatal. Um, and just some of the remarks because that they're close to it. So you have nurses here, doctors here that deal with this every day. And, and some of the remarks such as, you know, the person's not going to, it doesn't really matter if they get addicted to the morphine, they're, they're terminal, you know, they're on palliative care, right? So, or it would be like holding back cigarettes from a, sm- a lifetime smoker uh, when they're, they're, they're palliative. And, you know, we've heard that, that that's just people being cruel. But we also have such a hard time talking about death. And, and sure, who of wants course. to think about that? We don't do it. We don't really know. The people in our world don't know what you want. When you're going to go, you have to tell people. And you have to, you don't know they're going to honor that if they think, well, they don't And really there's all kinds of, of stuff. Yes. There's all kinds of stuff that you actually have to deal with, like the 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 medication, the the power of attorney, the the um funeral expenses, whatever, where nobody will talk about it. Or I no, shouldn't say nobody, you but you know, know certain what to do. And you yeah, have to like learn how to navigate don't. that at your worst time when you've lost mm-hmm. the person that you've got to look at. I remember when my father passed away and we went to the funeral home, my family, to work this out. And they were talking about the price of, we were having him cremated, the price of the box that he would be cremated in. And we chuckled saying, really? If dad could tell us that he'd go, he'd say, don't you spend that. Go around behind one of the furniture stores. Get one of the big boxes. Yeah. Put me in. That, and, and the poor fella at the funeral home didn't know what to do laughing. And they're around it all the time. But obviously being respectful of our, it was our way of dealing with it, of course. Um, but again, part of that dis- that uncomfortable is we don't sit down and talk about we, we know we no. all have to make out our wills we know we have we laugh at comics because i'm far removed from that um and i remember getting chewed out by somebody i was talking to and i was joking around about some stuff and they said to me isn't your father in the hospital in jeopardy and this was an incident before my dad passed away and i said yes are you sure and i said what do you mean am i sure you're laughing yeah. an awful lot for someone in that situation because their yeah. perception is that's not what they would do. And a lot of that comes from our lack of being able yeah. as a society to talk about it where other societies, it's a, apparently a big thing and people have their preparations at a very young age. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I was just going to say one last thing is at the start of the pandemic when people, and this is not a laughing matter, but when so many people were dying and we were starting to hear the comparisons, you know, even culturally of people in different parts of Europe and Asia and Africa and and North America um, about how people were dealing with deaths. And and that includes just not being able to see people, um, you know, like people passing away in long-term care homes and such and not being able to see it. Yeah, on their own and and the adjustments that families had to make without, you know, that person having been there and the suddenness of everything. And it's just, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot there to come to terms to. And there are different approaches to it. And obviously this is one of those approaches. Well, and we go for a lot of, well, we've got to carry out their wishes. Well, put it down in paper because I don't really want to talk about it. If they've said it mm. in a closed room with their, with their attorney or whoever they're dealing with when making their will, okay, but do, do I have to know that or if you bring that up mom if something happens to me don't talk about that
ancient erotic art teaches Peruvians to prevent prostate cancer. So basically what they've done is they there is an exhibition in Peru that is opened. And the purpose of the exhibition is to teach men all about all about prostate, how to prevent it. But what they've done is they're using um, what they call erotic art that was created hundreds of years before Christ by the Moshi culture. I don't know whether I got that name pronounced right or not. But what this art is, it's men in various positions, if you know, in poses. And when you go there, you could actually learn how to self-test just by you know, because the, the, the show and tell with it, whatever they, they call right. it in the old days or whatever. Apparently, I don't know what well, Peruvians, I guess the men, either they don't have access to doctors or they don't go to doctors. And of course, it's a very difficult subject to approach anybody with. I mean, how many people know how to uh, quote unquote do it? So this is a way that this exhibition is teaching men that, not to be shy, you can actually go to a male uh, bust or whatever busk or whatever they call it, and they will show you on a male how to do what you got to do to try to prevent this. And they're really People, doing it in like a group form, huh? Yeah, yeah. it's pretty oh, yeah, open. And, and I mean, it, I guess yeah. that is where you hope promotes the the comfort of of your own self, your one's, like relaxing. one's body, yeah. and yeah, and relaxing and understanding others have to do the same and relate to you and you're not alone and, and, you know, nor should you be uh, embarrassed about the checks we have to do to check ourselves and be careful. And, you know, you hear these things and saying, be aware of your body. We've talked that way with the the Movember people. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't, I, I, it's a great way, a difficult thing. Um, I don't know how, I guess a vision impaired person can go in and, and do it, do learn the same way. I don't know, but Oh, Apparently, yeah. Peruvians have one of the highest rates of prostate cancer, of course, and you know that if you don't get it diagnosed soon enough, it's too late. Yeah. So I guess this is one way of, of, of teaching people what they have to do to um, try to prevent it. Yeah, and I think what we keep hearing the message, guys, get on things early, folks. Oh, yeah, because, absolutely. You know, there is so many good chances of things that can be done early. And most yeah. of the time, the reason why we're not getting on things early anyway is because of the stigma around talking about it, about approaching people, about sharing the knowledge, the information, you know? So, it, no, there really is, um, I think, a huge benefit to kind of gathering people around this stuff that was made, what, thousands of years ago? Yeah, And yeah. say, let's talk about it. Let's yeah. just do it this way. And yeah, so much so much reasoning that things that we come up with for not doing stuff. And, and then we under uh, ask ourselves later when things have gotten out of hand, why, what, what was wrong with me? Of 
course, it's a Friday, and we got to get to a brew, an alcohol article. But this is interesting too. <laughs> yeah, as if you Another, didn't bring a, a beer article every day this week already. Get yeah, this is this is <laughs> one one yesterday and one today. But this is an interesting. Toronto Brewery um, is offering re-socialization hours to help us get out of lockdowns. So this is really, and and I love this concept um, coming from the CTV News. Um, the Halo Brewery in Toronto um, mon- from Monday to Wednesday is offering what they call re-socializing hours from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And when you go there, they have set up a re-socializing area, which basically is a communal table where you can go and talk to somebody. Now, what the thinking here is, is teaching us to reconnect. And according to, you know, we all know that we have to learn how to reconnect because we haven't done it for, for, you know, for, for over two years. So this brewery is offering this chance to people who are a little afraid to go to a restaurant on their own to reconnect. And the reason why I like this story so much is and I, I'm hoping more restaurants and bars do this because how many times have you gone to what you want to go out, but you don't want to go out on your own because it looks kind of funny. And you know, what do you do? You don't know anybody. And the idea that you can have a communal table and just sit down and shoot the breeze. Yep. I mean, never and mind. You can Copeland. choose this. That's right. Like you can yes, choose yeah. it at home. You can yeah. make the decision to show yeah. up to this hour and meet new people and you know you're going to be at a pub. So they've made it that relaxed environment for you. I mean, if you ask me, the pub is the perfect place to do something like this. Brocky, oh, your is. thoughts? <clears throat> oh, I love it. We take for granted how easy it's going to be to re-socialize after this. And yep. it's not. It's, you yep. know, it's easy for people to say, let's just go out and do this. And it's not just that easy. It's easy to put that in words, but not into action in my opinion or the opposite where you get so in your head you're like i'm not going out and i'm not going out and i'm not going out and before you know it it's been a month you know and then two months bill shackleton is a usual suspect on our show kelly and company you can catch billy sneaking around the studio on wednesday thursday and friday at 3 p.m eastern on ami audio and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more of the buzz all right see ya